Welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. Together, we will unlock inspiration, one quote at a time. Your host is one of America's top emerging public speakers. He is a former semifinalist in the World Championship of Public Speaking and is an expert motivator. Please welcome Jody Powell. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Quotivation Podcast. I'm excited that you're here, and I'm hopeful that after this episode, you're going to find a way to win your week. You know something that I've I've noticed that it just keeps being brought to the forefront of my mind. It's something I've known for a long time, and that is that we all have a story. All of us. And our story changes as time moves on, and we go through things. We go through storms. We go through trials. We go through triumphs. We go through good times and bad times in our lives. And when we're interacting with each other, oftentimes we don't know what the other person is going through. We don't know where they're at in their life. We don't know what emotions they feel, what storms they're facing, what triumphs they've achieved. So I think it's really important for us to be very aware that each of us have things that we go through. And I tell you, when we're going through storms, when we're going through those real bad, heavy storms in life, it tends to be what we focus on. Oh, nothing good is happening for me. There's no good to be found in any of this. How many times have we said that? <laughs> I say it all the time. Feels like anyway. But it's simply not true. When we go through the storm, when we're we're facing the torrential downpour and the wind and the and the lightning and the thunder, all of those things grab our attention and we focus on them. We focus on the negativity. We focus on the trial we're facing. We, we focus on the bad thing that's happened. We lose sight of the good. But it doesn't mean the good's not there. The good is there. There is something good happening in your life right now. Just find it. I'll wait. Go ahead. Find that good thing that's happening in your life. It's there. We just have to focus on it. We have to focus on that, and we have to focus on how we turn the tide of the storm. How do we turn the storms in our life into opportunities so that good can come from them? As we interact, as we talk with one another, as we search in our own souls and we look at the tempest that we're going through, the storms in our lives. I hope we can recognize where we all are, where each other are. Where are you? It's going to be so important in the way that we interact with one another to be empathetic, to understand where we are in our lives and the things that we're going through. And how we can take those storms and we can turn those tides. How we can help others who are facing some of the same things that we have faced. Some of the same things that we have gone through. How can we use our experiences? How can we use what we've learned from our failures and our mistakes to help them, to guide them through the process that they are going through? Which means we have to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to share we have to be willing to talk to other people about what we face. And that's the hardest thing for us to do. Being vulnerable. Be mindful who you're vulnerable to. 
because vulnerability is about trust. If you've established trust with someone, if you trust them with the things that are going on in your life, that means they've done something to earn that trust. Focus on that. Focus on communicating with that person. Focus on pouring into them as they pour into you. That's how you win your week. That's how you win your day. That's how you win your moment. And that's what we want you to do. We want you to win your week. And we hope this episode of the Quotivation Podcast is going to help you do so. So let's say, what do you say we get this thing started? We're going to start this episode like we do every episode. By taking a shot. A shot of motivation. This week, our shot of motivation is sponsored by our good friend, Amy Real from Cross Country Mortgage. Amy, you know it. She's the real deal in all things mortgage. She's been a dear friend of mine for many years. She's a big fan of the Quotivation podcast. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. She's on TikTok. She's out there liking our videos. Go check her out. Because if you need a first or second mortgage or maybe a mortgage on that investment property, or maybe you're interested in refinancing, getting out of the bad deal that you've got, give Amy a call today. Her phone number is 864-310-9337. That's 864-310-9337. You can also email Amy at amy.real, that's R-E-I-H-L, at ccm.com. When you reach out to Amy, tell her you were quotivated to get that mortgage deal done. Amy Real, she's the real deal in all things mortgage. Amy's NMLS number is 486-620. And as always, Amy, thank you for sponsoring this week's Shot of Motivation. It's time for a Shot of Motivation, where the vibe's like taking a shot, but the high is pure inspiration. This is a quick, powerful boost of motivation to fire up your spirit. Get ready for a rapid infusion of uplifting stories, impactful quotes, and game-changing ideas. It's the swift, potent dose you need to amp up your game and win your week. It's a shot of motivation. This weekend, I had the opportunity to chat with a neighbor, and she had lost her husband this past Thanksgiving. And as she was talking about the grieving process and how she has managed, she said something to me that really stuck. She said, you know, all people experience grief, and it's not just from the loss of a loved one. People grieve change. They grieve the things they lost. They grieve moving on from a job or divorce or your children leaving home. There's all kinds of grief that people are experiencing and it is affecting us so profoundly. Well, first of all, I was awestruck that someone who is still in the middle of the most unimaginable grief, that of losing your spouse, can take the time to think about and be concerned for others around her who may be facing grief in a different place. It was such a selfless act of her to think that way. Secondly, I was moved to think about what I was grieving. There's been a lot of change in my life. And if I'm honest, I haven't allowed myself to grieve. You know, grieving is not about wishing you had something back. I think that's a common misperception. 
that we grieve what we lost because we want something back. I don't want back what I had. But I do grieve the things that I loved about it that I no longer get to experience. And those are emotions that you have to work through. I remember when my wife and I lost uh, her parents. My mother-in-law passed away from cancer in 2006 and my father-in-law from heart disease in 2010. I was really amazed and a little appalled at some of the advice my wife was given in a relatively short time after their deaths. It happened both times. People would say things to her like, well, you know, time heals all wounds. It's time to let go. You need to move on. Don't focus on what you lost. Focus on what you have. Now, I'm sure this advice came from a good place and was well-intended. But what terrible advice to give someone who's grieving. I mean, we all grieve differently. We all have our own personal connections to people and places and things that no one else will understand. But the one piece of advice that really leaves me baffled is when you're grieving, being told to let it go. What? Why? Why should we let it go? And who gets to tell us when and how we should let it go? What do you know about it? I think let it go and phrases like move on are, are, are terrible piece of, pieces of advice. Something we should never do. We should never let it go. Letting it go gives the impression that we're going to forget about it. We're going to forget the things we lost. We're just going to let it go into this big vacuum of space and time. We're going to pretend like it didn't exist. Moving on implies that we put that part of our life away and never bring it back up, never reflect on it, never grow from it. It's as if it never happened. But I think we tend to give this kind of advice to people who are grieving because, quite frankly, we don't know what else to say. We want our friend or our loved one to, to return to the happy person they were before the trauma that caused them this grief. So logically, we think, well, this is what will get them there. But it doesn't. You can't undo that type of trauma, that type of change. And it certainly isn't healthy for someone to ignore their grief, to put it aside, to let it go. Instead, I think the right advice to give someone who's struggling in grief and loss is to let it be. Let it be what it is. Some days it will be painful. Some days it will be sad. Other days it'll be joyful as we reflect on the time and memories we've shared. Some days, quite frankly, it will just be numb. Those are days that you're tired of feeling. So you just don't. And that's okay. Because whatever it is, whatever you're grieving, whatever you've lost, whether it's a loved one or a marriage or relationship, a friend, a job, whatever it is, don't let it go. Let it be. 
In shadows cast by sorrow's heavy hand, where whispers of loss like echoes stand. Grief, a tempest that storms the heart, a poignant dance tearing worlds apart. In the quiet corners where memories weep, a soul entangled in sorrow's keep. Yet amidst the tears that softly flow, there lies a wisdom, a truth to know. Grief is a garden where emotions bloom, a sacred space shrouded in gloom. The need to heal, a gentle plea, for healing comes when we let it be. So let the tears fall like gentle rain, washing the wounds of enduring pain. Yet let it be joyful in the memories held, a celebration of love and stories swelled. So let it be this dance with the divine in the vast expanse where emotions entwine. For in the letting be we find release, a balm for the soul, a sense of peace. That's your shot of motivation for the week. I hope you can find a way to let your grief be. Let it be whatever it is so that you can process it. You can learn from it. You can grow from it. And within letting it be, you can find peace. That's how we win our week. I want to thank Amy Real for sponsoring this week's Shot of Motivation. This has been a shot of motivation from America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. We hope it helps you win your week. All right, let's get to our special guest this week. Denise Spears Kipper is a 20 plus year C-suite human resources and culture organizational strategist. Her experience spans startups and privately held businesses to publicly traded Fortune 500 companies throughout the United States in a broad span of business concentrations, including finance, tech, and real estate. One of her proudest professional moments is having led one of the businesses she worked for to the Fortune 100 Best Companies list multiple times. A public speaker on emotional intelligence, leadership, and business and people topics, Denise speaks globally in various forms. Denise also provides fractional people leadership and professional coaching through her business, DBK Coaching and Consulting. Working with owners, leaders, and young professionals are her favorite parts of her work. And Denise helps people navigate all the elements of the corporate and business world no one teaches you in school, the dynamics of how we work together. In her coaching, she leads people and organizations through challenges and change that feels like chaos to find the opportunity, the tether in the eye of the storm that's meant to show your next great direction and take action. As a single mom of two adult kids, Denise understands the challenges of juggling a career in real life. She is a foodie. She loves to travel. She's an aspiring wine sommelier, a native Buckeye who lives in the sunny South with her Frenchie, Nigel Thornberry, rescue pup, Tabasco sweet tea, and her cat, Urban. Denise Spears Kipper is on the Quotivation podcast. Denise, how are you, my friend? Well, how can I be anything but great after that phenomenal intro? I just want you to walk around and like introduce me to everyone, Joe. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for being on. This is uh, this is a long time coming, and I'm Indeed. so excited to have you on. 
And I, w- I want the world to know. I want the world to know the Denise that I know. So tell us, tell us about your career. Tell us about what you're doing now. Tell us some of the things that you've accomplished that you are most proud of. Well, first and foremost, I am most proud to be a part of this with you because you and I talked about this from, uh, you know, the infant stages of an idea. And now here it is. And you brought it to life in such a fast pace. And I am just super proud to be um, a guest on your motivational podcast. So thank you. Um, and, and me, wow. Like I'm an accidental HR person. I always say that to people, right? Like I never intended to be in HR. It was not something that was on my radar whatsoever. And it found me through a great mentor who, um, you know, really took a flyer on me and said, even though I didn't have the, you know, on paper necessarily, um, list of things that one might say are ideal to be an HR leader. She saw something in me that I hadn't really touched into yet. And she cast that little stone that said, Hey, I want you to go do this. Um, somewhat begrudgingly, I said yes, and I never left HR. Um, I have spent my entire career as an HR leader in, as you mentioned, lots of different um, types of organizations, startup, small, medium size, um, all the way up to Fortune 500. And every one of them has a different dynamic and flow and feel. Um, And every single one of those places have given me um, really important nuggets of knowledge that have helped me to get to where I am now. And all along the way, the thing I loved most about every single part of my uh, work was this coaching um, work where I was working with individuals and leaders and new um, talent entering the workforce, helping people find like how they are at their best and getting a hold of that and expanding it for not just themselves, but for the organization and the team. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's really been a big passion of mine. I always said, uh, as I had this as kind of a side gig, it happened accidentally. People kept saying, Hey, can we keep doing that? If they would go to a different company or something. Right. And, uh, one day I was like, Hey, maybe I'll do this full time. And here we are. I, uh, ripped the bandaid off, um, two and a half years ago and said, it's time and have not looked back. And it's just really exciting and fun to actually reconnect with some of the people who I used to work with by way of doing additional work with them. And then um, almost all my business comes from referrals, which is a great compliment. And people are like, oh yeah, like she can probably help you with that. Um, I also do a lot of consulting on team dynamics and the way that people work together um, to, you know, the the part of my intro that you attached to that. Um, it's a mantra of mine that I used to describe culture. I think culture is um, way overused and and really what it's about is how people actually show up and working together. Mm. So you can have beautiful words on a paper um, that are your vision or the statement of your culture. But if that doesn't align with the way that everybody works together every day, then um, you don't have a, a, a good environment for success and definitely not one for productivity and and surely one that makes it complicated when there are challenges. And so sifting that out, getting alignment to like the why, the values, and um, you know, helping the leaders understand that first. And, and then we go to building that out further into the organization and how you infuse it throughout everything you do, like, like a gold thread, right? That says, mm-hmm. you know, it's a part of the way that you speak in your brand. It's a part of the way that you bring people into the organization. It's a part of the way that you speak when things are hard. It's a, it's all aligned with that value and purpose and, um, 
And you also say, hey, like that doesn't fit when you see something that doesn't fit and you're brave enough to do it. That's one of the places that I've seen be most impactful in the organizations I've worked with is getting granularly clear about what fits and doesn't fit. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to look the same and speak the same and be robotic, but valuing the same things. Right. The way it shows up can be dramatically different um, in some ways, but when it's attached to that value and purpose, it's very powerful. It really is. And and you talk about two and a half years of this, two and a half years ago, ripping off the Band-Aid. Yeah. Walk, walk me through that process. What are some of the emotions that you felt? What are some of the things that you went through, the the setbacks, the successes? So that... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, it's, but it's tough, right? Oh, my gosh. It was it, absolutely um, beyond something that you could imagine, right? So having it as a side gig while you have this perceived security of a corporate environment um, is very different than when you wake up in the morning and you know, you and I've talked about this, like you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror and there's no one behind you. There's no one coming with you necessarily to activate, to make things happen, to push, to pull, to scream, to be excited, to motivate, like it's you and you and you. And, um, you know, that whole mental mindset piece of it, I think was, um, the biggest and the very first mountain for me, right. Um, when I decided to, to go for it, uh, it was a very like kind of light to dark moment. And, um, in that moment I had not been doing much, uh, coaching, um, for probably, I don't know, almost three years. And so it wasn't like I was starting with a book. I had nothing. I was flat foot. I had my network. I shouldn't say I had nothing, but I had nothing actually active. Um, and so I just opened up my computer and started reconnecting and sending messages and making, you know, 30 minute, 15 minute coffee chats with everybody in my network, letting them know I was back into uh, the coaching business and I was doing it full time. And um, within like three weeks, I had a couple of my former clients who re-engaged, which was an absolute blessing in so many ways. Um, you know, like, gosh, so much doubt, right? There were moments during that process, especially in the first year where, um, you know, I'd start to get things rolling and then you'd hit a like pothole. And um, in those moments, you know, I, I would say that first year I spent a lot of time with what I call, you know, having a foot in both camps or being a little bit soul split. Right. And, and so people would say, Oh, don't you want to go back to corporate? There's this thing. Talk to us about this. We have this job and I would listen and I would put some energy into it. And sometimes I would even go out there and look and see what was going on. Um, and maybe even apply for things. And none of that was actually like either compelling to me, pulling to my heart or something that, you know, really made sense to work out on both sides. And, and then the other side, you know, I'm still, plugging away, pulling this business along. And, um, you know, one of the things that's been really enlightening for me is the difference in working as an entrepreneur and how other entrepreneurs have such a different mindset around helping each other and lifting other people up where, you know, somebody who's already kind of gone down that path a little ways looks back and sees me, you know, with my floaties on trying to get to the deep end of the pool and, and pulls me forward. And I had one of those moments, um, in the first year where I had connected with a female entrepreneur, Melissa Barker out of Charleston with women entrepreneurs, Inc. And 
I've been following her for a long time. She and I had a lot of things in common, and none the least of which is that she's originally from Ohio. And so, you know, like we Buckeyes, we stick together. <laughs> um, and and so I have been following her work. She was hosting a retreat and she said, hey, um, you should look at this. And I looked at it. And, <laughs> That's really, really interesting and very expensive and I cannot do it. Thank you very much, though. Right. I declined politely. Um, she threw me an offer again about like, oh, well, like, you know, what if I took half off? I mean, I just couldn't write those checks. Um, I was I was scrapping and scraping and, you know, I I always had my nails done. I had my nails done. Like I was doing everything I could to pinch every penny to get to the other side of finding a way to feel grounded. And um, she ended up gifting me attendance to this women entrepreneur retreat. And it was a pivotal moment. And why it was pivotal for me, a couple of reasons. So first of all, I've never been in a room with a group of 15, 20, I guess, uh, including the speakers, female business people, specifically these were entrepreneurs, um, who all wanted to help each other. Hmm. Um, in corporate, I think women in particular, we find that there are a lot of times it's um, more competitive with each other than it is supportive. Um, I try to be the, I've always tried to be the anti uh, of that. Um, but it's real. And so you kind of learn to watch your back all the time, right? Like going to this thing, I had this strategy, like I had an exit strategy on my drive to this event. Like if it's bad, I'll have a migraine. I can't go to the things like if these people are ugly, right? If they're judging me because I don't have my nails done, whatever it might be. I, I felt so welcome, supported. All of their stories helped me see something that was beyond. And the thing that really hit me was that I could not be soul split and do this successfully. I had to be all in. I had to let go of the idea of, oh, if I went back to corporate, it might be safer and just jump into this with all of my energy. And within three weeks of that event, I had my first corporate consulting client um, who is still with me now, um, almost two years later. And, um, you know, it just really started to grow from there. And so I think that has been a, an incredibly pivotal moment for me and are there still these? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. It's you learn to ride that, you know, proverbial wave as people call it, mm -hmm. um, or as I, you know, talk about it. You learn to navigate the chaos. And you know, most recently, I had something come at me that I was just starting to feel like, ah, oh, things are so even, right? And and calm. I have the calm. And and I've been doing a lot of mental mindfulness work around not letting that, you know, kind of judge or saboteur get in, in my head that says, oh, but wait, there's something coming. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, like something came at me and I was like, ah. and I would also say that, um, I've been working really hard to turn that into understanding what the opportunity is in that chaos. Yeah. And, and for me, as you know, um, over the course of my life, I've watched this pattern of, um, and not just for myself, but other people who I've worked with and or coached that oftentimes this like kind of chaotic noise comes at us when it's time to lean into something else, when it's time to pivot, when it's time to, maybe there's just something you got to learn. But um, in every case for me, um, when I leaned into the chaos and found the thing that it was calling me to, it took me to a better place. Now, I also, you know, have had the experience and I think some of the people I've worked with have as well, where, you know, 
you just want to deny it. You want to like, I can power through. I am grittier than that. Right. And, and then, um, you know, you put yourself back into it, right. Even though there's a little tether right there, you can see, you're like, I'm going to power through. And then sometimes it just eats you up and spits you out. And so the idea of grabbing a hold of that tether on your own, right. It's very empowering, Mm -hmm. scary as can be, because you don't know where it's going to actually take you sometimes. Um, but in every case for me on the other side of it sometimes took longer than I wanted it to. Right. (laughs) But it's taken me to, um, a a better place. And I think, you know, that's something that is, is real, um, for, for many of us. Yeah. You talk about the tether and, and grasping it in the chaos. What do you ground your tether to? Values, my friend. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I do a lot of work with strengths and strength finder. Um, and then, um, also value work, which, uh, is, it sounds simple, right? We all understand, like, we all have values. We know what we stand for. Um, and then if you say like, but what does that actually look like? How does that come to life for you? Um, that's the part that most people don't take time to do. And so in, my coaching with people, whether it's teams or individuals, we work on strengths, but we also then identify what are your really top three values, right? Sure. Um, and and then what's a statement that you can hold on to that is something that lets you have a true north, right? And that true north is that grounding values, strength combination thing that says, this is me, right? And and when I wrote mine and the reason I use it so much in my coaching is that when I did this work through um, some education that I was a part of with emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman um, and all of the things around, you know, the the power of emotional intelligence, especially as a leader, um, it was a very pivotal moment for me. So when I wrote my value statement, I sat back and I looked at it and I realized that I was not able to live it in the existing situation that I was in. Um, and it was the pivotal place where I decided to leave my abusive marriage and get divorced and make a very big leaf off of it into a very dark abyss of unknown, um, to get to a much better place for me and my kids. And, um, it's also been something that I've carried with me still to this day. I mean, I have it written on a whiteboard beside me and it's always around, um, it's grounding. It is grounding, and I can say that because you've helped me write mine. And through Strength Finders and through some powerful, powerful consulting and coaching, um, I, I have mine on my phone, and I look at it every day. And it is something that is that is powerful to pull you back to who you are. Um, and, and it's interesting. I hopefully. I believe this this podcast will air after I do this. I have not yet done this yet, but I am I'm speaking to a group of college kids next week. I love and, it. <laughs> and and I'm going to use something that that someone used on me one time at a conference, and that's opening it up. And I made the mistake of sitting in the front row. Don't ever do that at a conference, uh, not unless you just want to be front and center. Like you just pick me on your shirt, basically, that, right? You, yeah, <laughs> sucker written right on your forehead. <laughs> Um, and I was the sucker for the day. And and this the speaker looks at me, he points to me, he says, who are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm Jody Powell. He said, no, that's what people call you. That's what you're labeled. Mm. Who are you? Then I gave him my title and he said, okay, congratulations, you're fired. Now, who are you? 
<laughs> yes. Like, okay, I'm a father. I'm, I'm a husband. I, well, I'm sorry to say your family's been killed in a car accident. Who are you? And, and so the point was to drill down to who I was inside of my heart. What's in my DNA? What are my values? What do I stand for? Yeah. And if, if, and, and what's so interesting is that it took five or six questions, five or six times him, right? him questioning me, who am I before I got there? And, and I just, it, it, it hits, it, it hit home because it shouldn't take that long. Yeah. We should be able to define who we are in a very quick, quick way. And that's one of the ways writing your value statement. That's one of the things that it does. Yeah. It identifies 100%. who you are. And Jody, I love that you share that example and that experience because how powerful is that, right? And anybody who's been in a corporate environment and had to make a pivot or made a pivot and still felt a little confused about it um, can probably relate to that feeling of, wait, my whole identity is this thing. I mean, you know, I think about the number of people who I've worked with who have, you know, unfortunately been um, you know, a product of some of the the contraction of organizations and receive severance packages and their whole mindset and identity is attached to their corporate title and the work that they've done. When in reality, there's actually a person there and we, we lose that. We get so lost in all the other stuff, right? And so it's a way to pull you back and always have that to go back to. And, and the other thing that's been really cool is using it in corporate environments, right? Um, said differently, you know, kind of attaches to the, the corporate why, but that using it in a corporate environment where the the leadership team or a group of people come together and create this collective true north for the organization, and then everything gets built around that, crazy powerful. Yeah, really, yeah. Really fun. It, and it it really is. And and you know that's that's of course how you begin to build a powerful culture. Yes. And you talked about culture, and you talked about culture and what people think it is versus what it really is. And in, in, in our world today, in our business world today, what are some of the things that you think are just that low-hanging fruit that companies are just missing that could revolutionize how they do business, how their workers and their employees do business, and how their brand is built? What are those things that people are missing? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is this connection to understanding really what drives the people who have originated this organization. Like, why does this... Ex- organization exist. Hmm. And there's typically some kind of greater purpose beyond just revenue. Now, listen, if revenue is your why, okay, so be it, then be really clear about it so that the other people that come and join your organization are also driven by revenue and profit. And that's it. It's kind of hollow, by the way, but that's just a judgy statement and whatever. If it's what you're driven by, it's what you're driven by. Um, You know, really understanding the way that work is getting done today as a leader um, and being open to accept that you have these pretty words on a paper, but it's not at all how it's showing up and, and, you know, doing some surveys, right. Um, is a really easy way to kind of get a pulse, um, and some listening sessions, right. Jody, you and I both mm-hmm. have done those and know how powerful that can be where you just grab a group of people and ask them to talk to you about, you know, how things are going and what's, what they're curious about or what are roadblocks that are getting in their way. Um, I, I also say to people, you know, when I go in and, and if anytime I've gone in as an HR leader or even, you know, in other kind of leadership roles, where, where's your turnover and what's happening with that, right? And following the turnover 
backwards to understand what's underneath of it. And typically it's that you're not hiring people that hear and understand the overall message and purpose of the organization, but hiring people who look good for that particular uh, job description, right? right? And the job description doesn't say much about the culture often. Yeah. Right. And I mean, if you really are into this, you write those in the right way, too. Right. But but getting really clear about, you know, how are you attracting people to the organization? And and if you have that turnover challenge, that means that you've got a disconnect from the beginning and it either shows up early on or, you know, at 90 days, a year, two years in where people are just like, eh, and I'm out. Um and, and so I think, you know, really listening to how things are happening in the organization, being open to hear, um, you know, that's an, another great way to really know how things happen in your organization. Hire some new people and ask them about 90 days in what their experience has been like. You'll understand what really happens hmm. um, because they'll tell you things that you nobody else said, like, why do we do this? And you're like, what do you mean? Why do we do this? I don't think we do that. And, oh, lo and behold, we've been doing that for five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Active listening is probably the most powerful key to communication. It's huge. And, you know, being able to listen to, to people's perspectives, understand where they're coming from, but also understand where they are in their life. Mm -hmm. um, how big of a role does empathy play in associate relations and in hiring and in listening to your employees? What is, how, how big of a role is empathy? Oh, my friend. I could turn that back to you and I could have you describe it even better than me. I think you are so good at this. Um, I mean, empathy is just, it's such a core element, right? Um, and it can be learned. And I think one of the things that people get confused about is people oftentimes, especially, you know, high type A achievers think of empathy as sympathy, like, mm -hmm. oh, poor you. Right. It is not that at all. It is far more about the ability to understand where somebody is at that moment, feel what they're feeling, lean into understanding or caring about feeling what they might be feeling. What's that experience for the other person on the other side of the table or in the room with you? And, and how do you get closer aligned, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can hear you even if I don't agree with you. Right. Um, using empathy to lean into all of the other elements of emotional intelligence. You know, it's very hard to have high emotional intelligence if you cannot attach to empathy. And PS, it is also not a sign of weakness. No, it is not. I want to just say that like loud and clear. Empathy does not equal weakness. To the contrary, people who are unable to show empathy typically show up in an unauthentic way that's not aligned with who they actually are. Mm -hmm. They are the true imposters. They are the, I have a shield, you know, man behind the curtain kind of action. You're not going to get inside. And how do you feel when you interact with somebody like that? Right. Right. You can, you can sense it when you, somebody like you and I who have higher empathy quotients, you can sense when somebody's not being authentic pretty darn fast. Yep. And then you don't really buy in, right? You like, so what are you missing in that? Trust. Yes. Right? Yep. And so if you can't connect in that way, it's very hard to build trust. And trust is the foundational building block to this little engagement triangle that um, is, is a part of everything. Whether, you know, whether you're talking about 
professional life or personal life or business, it, it doesn't really matter. Like if you can't instill trust, um, it's very hard to move up in the pyramid to like higher productivity and being able to be your best self. Yep. That's so true. And, and empathy and the closest thing empathy has to sympathy is that they sound alike. Right. That's it. Totally. That's it. 100%. Uh, two different things, two, two important things, but serve two purposes, two different functions. Yes. And, and empathy is, is so vital to the relationship we have with mm-hmm. our superiors, with people that report to mm-hmm. us, with our peers. Um, it's understanding where they are in the moment. Yes. And also understanding how you can pour into them while they're in that place. Yes. How can I connect to help you? Absolutely. To, you, to serve. And, right? and, and by the way, that is part of leadership. Yes. Whether leaders want to say it or not, or whether they want to think it or feel it or not. 100%. That's a huge part of leadership. It's it's who leaders should be. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to empathize with, with and, and it doesn't mean you you give in and, and let people take advantage of the system or, or get all no. these days off because no, that's not what it means at all, but it's an understanding. It's yeah. an understanding of where people are and who they truly are and who they authentically are. Your ability to meet someone where they're at. That's exactly right. right. And exactly. It, and not with judgment, but with the intention of active listening and care, which is, I mean, truly, you know, that's the main purpose of a leader, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you, you and I've talked about this before, you know, this idea of soft skills being soft. Mm-hmm. I, I will absolutely be, big line in the sand, big stake in the ground, like soft skills are the hardest things ever. And you know, who makes it sound like they're unnecessary. They're the, the leaders who are too afraid to actually show themselves who, or who don't want to do the work that it takes because it's much more challenging to show up using your emotional intelligence, your soft skills, bringing empathy to the table. It takes effort. It takes time. You know, people who just want to push the easy button. Yeah. I mean, Sure, it it gets you results, but the way and is it sustainable? That's a whole nother question. Uh, absolutely, it is not sustainable. You know, the the fear leadership model has proven to fail time and time and time again, and yeah. it continues to to rear its ugly head. But um, but it but there is a lot of chaos, and you are the chaos sherpa, I am. the one that guides us through the chaos. <laughs> I am. So Denise, before we jump into your quote. I want you to plug your site. I want you to plug your business. How can people get in touch with Denise to be coached, to be led, to be guided, to write their value statements like you and I did? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Thank you for asking. Um, So Denise Beers Kipper, DBK Coaching and Consulting is my um, business. Uh, You can find all of my information on LinkedIn, which I will drop into the chat for you to have for this conversation when it airs and um you know there's the then the link to my website i'm on social i'm dbk underscore coaching on instagram a lot of content out there um and you know i i absolutely love meeting people and finding out if there's something that i can do to help them navigate whatever kind of chaotic thing is coming at them at the moment, um, whether it's making a new career decision or wanting to lean into, you know, maybe I want to be promoted or maybe I don't, I'm not really sure. Or I don't know what I want to do next. Right. I think the pandemic made everybody step back and think 
long and hard about this is what I've been doing, but is it really what I'm meant to do? Mm-hmm. And those are a lot of the people who I've been, you know, talking with and working with on an individual basis. And then on the, you know, the the business side of the house, if you're a business that feels like you're misaligned because of the change and shift in expectations in um, team members and the way that the organization shows up has to be different now than it used to be. Um, you know, really sorting this out and, and figuring it out can be um, a great, powerful propeller forward um, to get people re-engaged and keep them more interested and in leaning in. Yeah. She's also on the Tickety Talk. So, so when you go search for the Quotivation podcast on TikTok, be sure to search for Denise Beers Kipper as well. She puts fabulous content out on TikTok. Love it. Love to see it. So Denise, absolutely. So tell us what is the quote that you've brought for us today? Who said it and why is it impactful for you? So very impactful for me because I think it, um, it completely, let me rephrase that. I don't think, I know it completely exemplifies the work that I'm doing as a coach and a consultant. And the quote is um, by mother Teresa Uh, And it's, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And for me, that's all about what I'm about, right? Making many ripples, making an impact, um, helping people find their way to be their best, to fill, um, you know, joy and purpose and alignment. and I can't change it all. Right. I mean, I think I've been in some organizations where I'm like, I can make a difference no matter what. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, but what I have learned over the course of all of that process is that even if you can't change the really, really big stuff, right? Like we can't change the direction of some of the crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now, Mm -hmm. but we can find ways to make an impact in our own way. And by casting like one stone at a time across the water, um, and it, it attaches to me too, because I'm like a water driven person. And I have, you know, I grew up, you know, sitting on the edge of a pond and it's like skipping rocks. Right. And so it just, it very much speaks to me in every possible way. Um, you know, making, you know, small and then growing impact, um, over time, one little rock at a time. What are some of the stones you're casting? What are the things that you want to do to see, change in the world, change in, in your life, change in the lives of others? Great question. I love that. Uh, so, you I mean, obviously this coaching work is a big part of it for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, casting the stone of um, being a place where people can be seen. Um, a lot of my clients say, wow, like I, I feel like I've been seen in this conversation in a way that I haven't maybe for a very long time, or even in my professional career, um, giving people a, a, a space where it's comfortable and open to explore. Um, you know, that that stone is an open stone where people can come and sit down on the rock and we can have a conversation and, um, you know, really giving people that opportunity to process and then f- find a way to take action that's aligned with what they discover right, is something that's very important for me. Um, I also have a big passion uh, around 
emerging talent, um, working on building out something called your IRL MBA, your in real life MBA. <laughs> uh, it's all the stuff that nobody teaches anybody when you're in school, whether you're in high school or college or grad school, even grad school, by the way, um, you get to, you know, you get to a job and you're like, what the heck is this? You know, I don't know how to navigate all this stuff. I don't know how to negotiate my compensation. I don't know how to go and ask for a promotion when I'm ready. I'm not even sure how to respond to emails to like, I got an email from the, the CEO. How am I supposed to respond to that? Can you write it for me? I mean, literally written, I ghostwrite sometimes for people to help them see how it goes. How do you network? Why do you need a mentor, a sponsor? You know, all the things that nobody really tells you. And by the way, what are your strengths? Because somehow along the way in our current educational system, nobody talks about that either. Um, and so that's another really big stone that I want to you know, throw out into the pond and see how far I can impact. How far the ripples will go across the water. Yes. yes. <clears throat> it's so I love this quote because it just gives the implication that that one stone into the water causes, and, and, and you know how it happens, that stone drops into the water and it's a circular ripple that goes out in every single direction. Yes. It doesn't go in one direction. It goes nope. in every single direction so that it impacts everyone around you. And the further the ripples go, the more people that impacts. And, and pretty soon someone is casting the same stone that you cast to, yeah. that, that you've helped they're casting and suddenly that ripple is going out and and that creates the change in yes. the world and that's yes. why you alone cannot create the change in the world that's what mother Teresa said I alone cannot change the world but when we do that for someone when we pour into someone mm -hmm. they pour into someone yeah and then they pour into someone and on and on and on it goes and so that's why that's why I think this quote is so incredibly powerful because the ripple never seems to fade away. Mm -mm. And by the way, it's circular. Yes. As part of that circular process, you get to feed yourself too, right? Yes. Very fulfilling for me to watch people who I work with and organizations that I work with. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I a hundred percent mean it. Like when somebody has this aha moment and like, wow, I actually see that this is what I'm supposed to do now or you know, I'm so energized by, you know, jumping into this work that I have always been interested in, but afraid to like lean into it, whatever it might be, you know, seeing that, that satisfaction and connection um, to true purpose is really cool and very much feeds me then. Yeah, it does. And and that's, that's what I tell people is like, find, find people in your network that certainly you can pour into, but who equally and lovingly pour back into you. Absolutely. Because it has to be mutually beneficial. That's part of my yes. value statement. The it is. It is. The betterment of each other. Remember that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so powerful. So <clears throat> for those that are listening right now, Denise, that are, that are just struggling, they want to win their week. They want to figure it out. They want to figure out how they can uh, not only invoke change around them, but be changed by invoking that change. What are the steps they need to do? How do they win their week with this quote? So I love the idea of winning the week and winning the week with this quote, right? First of all, you have a rock. So mm. pick it up. Mm. Yes. Um, there's action in this quote. It's not sedentary. Um, and so if you're really focused on this big, overwhelming stuff, 
Like what's the one rock you can pick up that's most closely attached to what you can do for you? Wow. Yeah. And, and it might sound very small. And if it does, that's perfectly right. And, and pick that rock up and own it for yourself first, right? Like give it a name, talk about, you know, you know, for example, um, at the beginning of the year, I'm not a big like new year's resolution person. Um, but I like a word or a mantra, right? And, and so my, I had two words because I couldn't pick one, of course. (laughs) Um, and it's intentional activation. Hmm. And so as you know, Jody, I'm very action oriented. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might not always have the right intention behind it because I'm just so excited about getting things done. (laughs) So I have to be intentional. I have to let myself breathe. I have to pick up the intentional rock that says what with intention, what action actually moves me ahead. Mm -hmm. One step, right. And I just throw it out there every day and, and watch where it heads. Yeah. And so pick up one rock. Do not try to carry an entire boulder. Do not try to carry a ti- an entire bag, one rock at a time. Hmm. That is such a profound way to look at this because I would bring the entire quarry with me. Right. <laughs> I want to change everything. Let's right? bring it all. And- <laughs> And it's, and it's, you know, it's how you eat an elephant. It's one bite at a time. And it's all of those, those things. And so picking up one rock and casting it and seeing where the ripples go and, and then following them, following those ripples to, to find where you want to be led, where you want to be, um, man, that is, that's powerful. And I think, I think for all of us, there's one thing that prevents us from doing that. And I say this, I've said this in many different ways, many different contexts. The one thing that prevents us from doing that is fear. Absolutely. We are scared to pick up the rock. We're scared to throw it because we're scared of where it's going to lead. Yeah. And and the change that it could that it could evoke and the change that it could bring, it's fearful. But Absolutely. that fear, you and I both know that fear comes from self-doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the thing that keeps us in chaos. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes just even naming the rock. I mean, really scary because then you got to face it. And you're like, ah, yeah, that's actually it. Yeah. Um, and, be- and at the same time, like it's the most powerful thing you can do. It becomes real. Mm-hmm. You acknowledge it. It's there. It's a real thing now. Yes. And and that can be scary, but it's, but you're right. It is the most powerful thing that you can do. That's why you are the chaos Sherpa. You're amazing. Denise Beers Kipper, thank you so much for being on the Quotivation podcast. This has been an absolute joy, an absolute pleasure. And as you said in the beginning, um, this podcast is because you gave me the inspiration to pick up a rock and cast it. And I thank you for that. Um, And I thank you for being on today. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for everything. This has been great. That was Denise Beers Kipper. The Chaos Sherpa. She does a fantastic job of guiding you through what feels like chaos to bring you out on the other side to create action, to create actionable items and awareness. So if you're interested in coaching and learning from Denise, or if your company is in need of executive development and coaching services, 
She's the person to reach out to, dbkcoaching.com. Thank you, Denise, for being on the Quotivation Podcast. And hey, while you're at it, stick around for some dessert, because it's time for the last slice of cheesecake. How about some dessert before you go? There isn't anything that can't be solved over a slice of cheesecake. So before we wrap things up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the last slice of cheesecake. What a wonderful conversation with Denise Beers Kipper. She is a powerful, powerful force in the business world. And a dear friend, someone that I can bounce ideas off of and expect and receive uh, genuine feedback. So thank you, Denise, for being on the Quotivation Podcast. You know, one of the things that we mentioned in the podcast, one of the things that Denise helped me with is writing down my value statement. Write your value statement down. What is it that you stand for? What, What do you provide other people? Why should others connect and network with you. And if you're stuck, if you don't know where to go with a value statement, then you don't know what it should be or what it should look like. Reach out to Denise, reach out to someone that's been through the process that can keep you honest and mindful of your strengths and the values you hold dear. If you don't know what your strengths are, if you don't know exactly what the values are that, that are most important to you, Find an exercise to go through. Clifton Strength Finder is fantastic in identifying strengths. Work with a coach like Denise, someone who can be your Sherpa through the chaos. This is my value statement. Influential leadership through authentic connections resulting in mutual betterment. I want to be influ- influential with my interactions. I want to have a positive impact on the people I come in contact with. That's what I refer to as influential leadership. It's the ability to uh, influence others that are around me, and it's also the ability to be influenced by those around me. The second part of that is through authentic connections. Authenticity is so important to me. It's important to be authentic. It's important for me to feel like the person that I'm interacting with is real. As Denise said, this is how trust is formed. Trust is the foundation of any relationship, professional, personal, family, whatever it is. Trust is that strong foundation. I feel safe when I trust a person. I feel safe if I perceive them to be authentic. I'm very guarded when a person has a hidden agenda and you can tell, you know, the type of person that's, that's friends with your face and enemies with your back. Think about that one. I don't do well in those relationships. Influential leadership through authentic connections resulting in mutual betterment. Why mutual betterment? Because I want to learn from others as much as I influence them. I want to be impacted as much as I impact. Relationships are two-way streets. They have to be 
beneficial for both parties in order to be effective. And so in my relationships, I want there to be mutual betterment. I want, to, I want us to make each other better. Influential leadership through authentic connections resulting in mutual betterment. That's my value statement. It reflects those things that are important to me. And it's through this value statement that I decide which stones to throw into the water. Denise's quote from Mother Teresa was, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. It's about understanding how the stone you throw impacts everyone in all directions around you. The ripples are circular. They go in every direction, including coming back to you. Change comes as those ripples are felt by others. And, and those ripples are encouragement to throw their own stones into the water. We all have the power to influence those around us through authenticity for the mutual betterment of each other. I hope you recognize that sometimes the answers to the hardest challenges in our lives is simply a stone's throw away. That's all the time we have for the Quotivation Podcast. I want to thank Denise Beers Kipper, my very special guest this week. I want to thank Amy Real, the real deal in all things mortgage, for sponsoring that shot of motivation. I want to thank you for listening. Until next time, stay motivated. You have been listening to the Quotivation Podcast, hosted by America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. If you would like to book Jody to speak at your company, conference, or next event, visit www.jodypowellspeaks.com. You can also email him at Jody, that's J-O-D-Y, at jodypowellspeaks.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Quotivation Podcast. And remember, stay quotivated. <laughs>